Friday is coming. This is Palm Sunday. It's bittersweet, really. I often say that when I take the table because I'm so excited because I tell of this love story of a man who loved me enough that he wanted to give his life for me on a cross at Calvary. He sacrificed it all because he loved me so. And it's, so it's, it's, it's bittersweet but because of that reason. But oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad he did. I'm glad that he did it for me. And since the day I accepted him into my heart and life at 19 years old, 65 today, I know you're not going to believe it, but I'm 65 today. And uh, I'm just so thankful that I accepted him. And I have no regrets. But you know, Friday is coming. The cross, the cross is coming. We know that many of the same crowd that stood there a few days earlier this day, and they're singing, shouting, and praising God. Then a few days later, they would sing, instead of uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, they were later heard saying, crucify him, crucify him. Just think about it now, one minute, raising their hands and thanking God for all he'd done. And then Friday comes. And I mean, what changed? And they start to shout, crucify him, crucify him. Sunday he rose into the city, and that's what they said. Give us Barabbas, they said on the Friday. We want him. Crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Why the change? I want to ask you this morning, as as the brethren come forward and and issue the the bread and the wine today, and as you prepare to to speak to the Lord yourself and and to give him thanks this morning, where is your heart? today? What, what is your standing today? Where are you? Do you have a casual faith or are you committed? How can we be real and sincere and consistent in all we do instead of all being about us? It should be about Jesus. Many people, it's all about me, 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 me. I heard about a village in Spain And they learned that their king was going to come and pay them a visit. The village was a poor village, and they didn't have many resources. So some of the villagers had come together with an idea how they could honor the king. How could we do that? We don't have anything, but we'll get together. We'll do something as a village to honor his presence as he comes to visit us. Many of them had their own vineyards. And they had their, made their own wine. So they decided that the easiest thing would be to do, if everyone was to take part, and they would take a big goblet or a big jar of wine, each one, and they would take it to the village square and they would pour it into one big vat so that when the king come, they would, they would be able to give him the finest wine that he'd ever drank. They had all got together. And they were to come to the village and they were to climb these steps up into and pour the vat, the, the goblet of wine, into this big vat. The day before the king arrived, hundreds of people lined up to make their offering to the king. Remember, this was their greatest sacrifice, to give them an, an opportunity to give of their best, to show the king how much they appreciated him and how they wanted him to be blessed. They climbed a small stairway, poured their gift through the small opening at the top 
of the vat. So when the king drinks of the wine, he will drink the very best wine, very best that he'd ever tasted. Finally, the vat was full. The king arrived and was escorted to the square, given a silver cup, beautiful silver cup, all ornate and designed, and was told to draw some wine. He placed his cup under the spigot, turned the handle, and then drank opportunity to drink the wine. But, but, sometimes it's but. There's always a but there, isn't there? But it was nothing more than water. You see, every villager had reasoned, I'll withhold the best wine and substitute it with water. What with so many of them, they're all thinking the same thing. Well, if, if Steve puts in some wine and Johnny and Sonny, they all put in a little bit of drink of wine. If I just put in some water, they won't be able to tell any difference. But you see, they all were thinking the same way. They, they withheld their best and gave, gave that what was least. They all thought the same thing. And the king was greatly dishonored. What, what are you thinking today? I'm asking you a question. What are you thinking today? Are you going to choose to honor the, our great king, Jesus Christ, by giving him your very best this morning in praise and worship, your tithes and your offerings and all the things that you do behind this? Are, are we willing as Christians to give him our very best? Because we've all been so blessed. He's been so good to me, and I know I'm not the only one. I know he's been good to so many of us here today. Are we going to withhold our best today or when Friday comes? Are we going to withhold? What is our voices going to say on Friday? Crucify him? Or are we going to say, praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. This morning, is our faith casual or committed? As we approach this week, as we approach this table, Along the front of that table, it says this words, do this in remembrance of me. Who are we remembering today? We're remembering Jesus. What are we remembering today? That we, he loved us enough that he was willing to give his life for you and me. To forgive us of our sins. He had no favorites. He loved us all so that you and I, we may have eternal life. And it's not anything difficult like running out in front of a bus or jumping off a cliff. All we need to be is a little child and ask him to come into our heart. When I first started in the ministry, my ministry was with the children. And I would always teach him at Sunshine Corner that this prayer, when they come, the little ones, in faith, believing, when they would come and they'd say, I would like Jesus in my heart. And we would all stand together and we'd pray, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into today. Come into stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. That's all we need to do. So this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your own personal Savior, what an opportunity you have. He wants to hear your voice. This is your table. This is your opportunity to commune with him. Let's be committed to him this morning, each and every one of you, in Jesus' name. As we take the bread 
And as we take the nine this morning, I'll, we'll lead you in a prayer together. Father, I'm just so thankful for that sacrifice you made. Father, I see all these different faces in here today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll minister to them, that you'll speak to them, that they'll hear your hearts cry, Lord Jesus. Jesus, that you'll hear their hearts cry this morning. Whatever need they may have in their life, Lord Jesus, I ask you just to undertake for them. There's none of us here by chance this morning. We're here to meet with the Master. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Your presence is all I need and all I want is all I seek and without it without it there's no
and gentlemen. Come on, Sam. I've been, I've been all, waiting all night thinking about this. Yeah. I'll tell you, if I could play this thing, I wouldn't need any one of them. Yeah, I wish, I wish I you could. <laughs> I wish you could. I don't know if I can. Praise the Lord. Goodness gracious. Mrs. Cameron. Hallelujah. Come on. No show without punch. Give her a big hand as she comes. Well, I can't believe he's making me do this. I don't have the energy I used to have, Gail, when I used to work up a sweat, you know. That's, this is what I used to do to work out, play this thing. All over the world, the spirit is moving. All over the world, as the prophet said it would be. All over the world, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Deep down in my heart, the Spirit is moving. Deep down in my heart, as the prophet said it would be. Deep down in my heart, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the Right here in this place, the Spirit is moving. Right here in this place, as the prophet said it would be. Right here in this place, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Bless you all. Come on now, come on. Yeah, you need some more practice. <laughs> I think I do, actually. That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. I don't think I still got it. Well, it's so good to see every one of you today. Thank you for having us. And, and your southern hospitality is just unbelievable. I will um, say that, you know, it just, it, it's amazing. Look at you. guy used to work with me when he was a kid, not that long ago, right? We've got some amazing uh, memories here together, right? Amen. And just for all of us, formative times in our lives and, and our families, and it's just, it's a blessing to be here with every one of you. Um, I want to especially acknowledge Edna. I'm just so honored that Edna would come here today. She was such a blessing to us. We've known Edna, Helen, and I since we were in our 20s. And she used to come in our store at the time, and then she bought it from us and uh, did a tremendous job of taking it to a whole other level. And but more than that even, she actually gave us a job. She was a general manager of this company, and Helen and I got a janitorial job cleaning the building. We worked there for years and just was such a blessing to us and our families. Paid our bills, helped us to pay for our kids to go to school. 
And it was a blessing. And I just thank you still to this day, Edna. You know, our kids often talk about the work ethic they learned at analysts working there, you know. Although they would sometimes say, we're not going to analysts tonight. Yes, we are. <laughs> and it was a blessing. So thank you so much for coming today. What's that, Derek? <laughs> yeah, people said, what's analyst? That's where we go. Um, yeah, we're blessed. Our kids are all doing well. They're in Colorado. It's where we live. We've lived there now for almost 22 years, if you can believe that. And we've just been really blessed. And God is, uses us even in Colorado as we're obedient and as we, um, as we, as we just seek his way for our lives. So. And let me see, we've still, are you going to do that song before I speak? Yeah, I would like John to do it. I had asked John to do a, a song that one of our worship leaders uh, wrote in an album he recently released. And it would be good. It would be a good, good theme for my message. Thanks, John.
his promises. His promises are yes and amen. Doesn't matter what I think and what I feel. His promises are yes and amen. That that song has really moved my heart as I think about it. He is good and everything he does is good. He is kind and everything he does is kind. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that. But his promises are yes and amen. As I knew I was coming here for a few weeks now, I just I began to ask the Lord, you know, for a word for you all, as I thought Derek would probably ask me to share. And as he <clears throat> began to speak to me, I want to turn uh, to Psalm 18. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 18. Verse 25, 26, and 27. And it says this. It says, To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. Some translations say to the crooked you show yourself crude. You save the humble but you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. God exalts the humble, and he, he, he promotes the humble, and he demotes the proud. That's our God. But the thing I thought about as I read this, I thought, to the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless, blameless, the pure, pure, but to the crooked, shrewd. And as I began to think about it, I realized that there's so many views of God. And you might be sitting here today, you've got a completely different view of God than I have. And I want to ask you, why is that? Why is that? I think about the parable of the talents that we've all read so many times in the Bible. And I want to read it to you. This is a pretty powerful message in Matthew 25. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, or each according to the level of trust that he had in them. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags, his, he put his money to work and gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold, see, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I have put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In other words, he said, let's go celebrate. Come and share your master's happiness. Some translations say, let's go and celebrate together. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me two bags of gold, so you have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come, let's celebrate together. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. This is sad, really sad. Master, he said, I knew you to be a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed, so I was afraid 
and I went and I hid your gold in the ground. What different views these three individuals had of the master, right? And of course, we know what happened to this servant that is called a wicked servant by the master. What a different view. What a different outlook. Why did he think the master was like that when the other two didn't seem to have any trouble going out about their business and increasing faithfully what they had been given to increase? So I would ask you the question, how do you see God? And as I thought about this, the blameless, blameless, the pure, pure, the crooked, shrewd. As I thought about this, our view of God is, is impacted, as so many things that impact our view of God and how we see him. I think many times we have unrealistic or unmet expectations. Our expectations, we... We're trusting God like we all have things, I'm sure, in our lives that we've been praying for for years, believing for for years, and some days you get so down and so discouraged, and you just, you may have all sorts of emotions towards God about that thing, and you don't understand what it is. Why? Why, Lord? Why not now? Why? And you think he's a God that's withholding from you instead of blessing you instead of giving you what you think he ought to give you. So our expectations don't get met and God doesn't show up. And it's hard to approach God from that vantage point. Then there's other times we're impacted by our situations and reality. We've all gone through tough stuff. The loss of a loved one or, you know, the loss of a business or health issues, whatever it might be. Our situations can impact how we view God. I had a dear friend, Ron Matthews, who's a wonderful man, Ron Angela Matthews. A few years ago, actually three years ago, January, I'm sitting on the third. He's, uh, he lives in Hawaii, and, and, uh, and he, um, he's a retired Navy commander, and he, uh, he's on staff at this big church, uh, First, Pres, First Presbyterian Church, Honolulu, and we got to know each other through Compassion. He's on the board at Compassion International. And we became close friends. And one day, I was just thinking about Ron, because he'd been such a blessing. And this was actually around the new year of 2016. And I, I text him, Happy New Year, Ron, and Angela, his wife, who's English, a wonderful lady. And I said, um, I hope that this is the best year of your life. And I hope that, you know, God really blesses you this year, Ron and Angela. You know, I hope we get to see you soon. <clears throat> Literally within a few minutes, he sent me a text back. He said, Sam, he said, I've just learned that our son Chris has taken his life. I, I tell you, I kid you not. And this is his reply to me. And he says, could you and Helen go over and be with Valerie and, and, uh, and Alex till Angela and I get there. They had just moved to Colorado. They're a young couple. We didn't know that he struggled with depression and he was on medication and he'd been off his medication and we had no knowledge of that. Helen and I kind of helped him get set up in church and, and uh, had built a kind of network of friends. We got his wife a job with one of our friends, a software company, and you know, everything seemed to be going well. They got a nice house and it seemed to be going well for them. And, and what do you do in a time like that? How do you get through that? How does God 
and Ron and I have had several conversations. God's done amazing things in their lives and brought them through that, and they're a tremendous testimony to the loss of a, a child, you know. But I know at the time, walking through that, there was all sorts of emotions. He told me how he cried and shouted at God and had, you know, had been totally angry with God all this time. I've served you and I've done this, and this is what happens. And yet, God came through for him in a tremendous way in Angela. So our situations can greatly impact how we see God at any given time. And, and of course, the other one can be our limitations. We tend to think about God in our finite when he's infinite. And we limit him from moving on our behalf by that. Our lack of faith. Our small-mindedness. We were up in Denver a few weeks ago. And with the family, and we're driving, and I saw this church sign, and it said, Go deeper with God, was the slogan on this sign. You know, come here, you know, go deeper. And I said to the girls, I said, What does that mean? What does it mean to go deeper with God? And of course, Aunt Kelly pipes up. She says, Well, that means to get to know Him more. And to, you know, if you think about it, well, that's exactly right. You know, it means to get to know Him more. It means to, you know, if you think about our lives, and we may have a hobby, or we may have something that we're interested in, and we'll just, get all the information we can about that particular thing and try to study it to become an expert in it. And to go deeper with God means just that. It means that you want to get to know him. And as I thought about that, I thought, listen, don't wait to get to know him until you have to, if you know what I'm saying here. Get to know him in an intimate way today, starting today. And I hope if, if anything comes out of this message today, it's not that you leave here feeling like you don't have to have anything else to eat, but you leave with a spiritual hunger in your heart that you want to deepen that relationship with the Lord and you want to get to know him in a deeper way. My fr a friend of mine, uh, Wes Stafford, who was the CEO of Compassion International for about 25 years, recently retired, and one day I, had, I was spending some time with him, and I always like to ask these leaders what their, what's their time? How do they do their time with the Lord? What's their devotion look like? And Wes said, Wes said, well, he says, I take the first 30 minutes of every day, and I just sit in my chair, and I just listen. I said, well, what do you say? No, I just listen. Do you read something? No, I just sit in my chair, and I listen. I listen. I listen. And I thought about that, and I thought, oh, my, yeah. How do you get to know God's voice if you're not listening? If you're not willing to set time aside to listen. So in all honesty, it's nothing that complicated. But it does take investment. It takes time investment. And the more you're willing to invest that time and that relationship, the more you will know. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice and listen to me. You get to know the voice of the Lord. He might not be speaking to you audibly, but he might be speaking to you through his word. He might be speaking to your heart. And you can listen you can become attuned and sensitive to that voice. Another great way to get to know him is to read the Gospels. Like I've read some today, Jesus always pointed you towards, the, always points towards the Father. You know, the, uh, one of our pastors said recently, you know, these miracles that Jesus did, they were not some kind of magic tricks that were just to entertain the crowd, you know. They weren't. He called them signs. They were signs. 
Signs to point us to the Father. I couldn't help but laugh about it. I was just thinking about this. There's a, a funny story that we have as a family, and Derek may have shared it in the past, but there was this young convert came in. We were all young in the faith. His name was John Marnock, and we'd all grown up with him. Helen had actually beat him up pretty bad as a younger girl. <laughs> she was harassing her on the way home from school one day, and she kind of did him in with her piano bag. But he deserved it. But later on in life, he came to Christ. And so, so we're sitting. Um, we had this, you know, literally Sunday night, come to Christ. Monday night, we had this Bible study. And we're, like, sitting in a circle, about 20 of us. And the habit or the practice was that we would go around each one to pray and, and ask them. And John never prayed before. Brand new Christian sat there and he said, Dear God, I wish you would cast one of your magic spells and heal my brain. That was it for him, you know, he didn't know any better. Just... Anyway. <laughs> But the tricks that Jesus did were not some kind of magic tricks and the miracles that we see today are not some kind of, they're to point us towards a father who loves us, who wants to get to know us intimately. <clears throat> Eugene Peterson says this, he says we, in, in his book, he's got a book, and, and, I, and I think about this book, I love the title, it's called A Long Obedience in the same direction, a long obedience in the same direction. And when I think about you folks here in church here and the years that's invested here, and when I see all these faces here, I think that describes you all so well, and I respect that so much. A long obedience in the same direction. And he says this in this book, a long obedience in the same direction. He says, we live in what one writer has called the age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Do you hear that? We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much sooner than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. You hear me? Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God and worship, <clears throat> our deep essential need to be in relationship with God is nurtured. And I believe that. That was a quote from Eugene's book. I had an experience <clears throat> a few weeks ago. You know, we all have these days where we're not, you know, we feel down. You know, and in our world, it's going so fast all the time, the world we live in, and we've got so much going on all the time, you wouldn't believe it some days. And so, but with all that going on come multiple challenges. And you know, I remember saying to someone one day, I just need a win today. I just need a win, you know. It's just been such a day of, you know, losses and budgets being over and all sorts of things. And I was really down this particular morning. And I said, oh, I said to Helen, I just, and we start our day off together in prayer every day. And we pray for you all. By the way, I could say that with a very clear and pure heart. And 
I said, oh, I just need a win today. And I just felt directed to the 23rd Psalm. I mean, what a great psalm to go if you're feeling, um, right? <clears throat> Can I get, my throat's a bit dry. Psalm. What a great psalm to go to when you're feeling a bit dejected and you're feeling down. And this is what I did. And this is where I see this manifest. I sure wasn't feeling anything. I really wasn't. I mean, I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps, literally. And I started reading it, and I got a hold of the verse that said, My cup overflows. But well, my cup was anything but overflowing at that moment. I, my cup was empty and tipped over, right? I did not have a, anything in my cup that day. But I just started singing in my spirit, my cup overflows, my cup overflows. I take the dogs out for a walk every morning. We live in a golf course, and I take them out for a walk in the golf course before the golf starts. And so I'm out in the golf course walking this beautiful Colorado morning, and I just kept singing under my breath. My, I'm sure the dogs are wondering what's, what's he going on about. But I just kept singing, my cup overflows, my cup overflows, my cup overflows. I'll tell you, within 20, 30 minutes, my cup was overflowing. My cup was overflowing. But it wasn't based on the feelings I had before that. It was through faith and acting a practice. And I've learned something, and I hope you all could learn that too. When you're feeling that and when the enemy has you down and when you feel discouraged as you get in and you start reading scripture, as you start praying scripture over yourself, wow, wow, God really wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. I don't know what people do that don't have him. So I would say, <clears throat> how do we go deeper? We've got three things. One, spend time with him. Two, and a very important one, and I know you experience it here, but friendships. Friendships are so important, folks. And that's what we get by being around each other. We have been blessed with so many friends, and we're talking about two fr true friends. In a recent study, 43% of Americans self-report that they lack any meaningful companionship. 43%. And one in five of Americans say that they never feel close. One in five say they never feel close. What? In this day of connectivity, we've got it everywhere at our fingertips. And we're saying 43% of Americans are lonely and they don't have any meaningful relationships. The social scientists did another study then somehow come up with this loneliness. Loneliness scale is what they called it. And they studied by generations. They studied it by generations. And believe it or not, <clears throat> the Gen Xers on this scale are the loneliest generation. The loneliest generation. Yeah. The Gen Xers. And believe it or not, the least lonely are people that are 72 and over. <laughs> the least loneliest. Apparently they've learned something and apparently we can learn something from them. Friends, I'm telling you folks, seriously, you want friends that will point you to Christ. My, my pastor is also our neighbor, and we spend a lot of time together. And uh, he has something that he always says to us. He's, he'll ask you the question, who do you have in your life that can say no to you? Who do you have? You know, and that's what a friend is. It's someone that can say no to you when you're about to do something you shouldn't do. 
and you can respect what they're saying. All of us need someone in our lives. I've been working with um, Gary Wilkerson, who's David Wilkerson's son. And last week I was having coffee with him and he just got back from Africa and I was telling him, I was just sharing with him, I said, see, see Gary, for me at this time in my life, it's all about finishing well. And he said, oh really, okay, yeah. He said, that's good. He says, I was having a um, conversation in Africa last week. He said, with a mega church pastor. And he says, I asked him, I said, so what do you think? Because he says, a lot of these guys are not finishing well. And he says, what do you think the difference is to this guy? He didn't say who it was and I didn't ask, but he says, Oh, I know what that is. He says, I've studied that. He says, I know why these guys don't finish well. And he said, well, what is it? He said, it's their friends. It's their friends, or lack thereof, they pull back. You know, we pull back for many reasons. We get hurt, we get offended, we don't want to be close, so we withdraw. We've seen it all so many times, especially in a smaller fellowship where there's a lot of intimate relationships and closeness and Somebody offends you and you just go off and, you know, the enemy loves that. He loves that. That's his, that's his playground right there to discourage people and isolate them. You know, in Proverbs it says, he that isolates himself seeks his own way. And that's not good to seek your own way. He that isolates himself seeks his own way. And then it also says in Proverbs, for a man to, be fr to have friends, he has to be friendly. It's a two-way street, you know? It's not all about me. What can you do for me? You've got to be reciprocating that friendship, right? But, you know, this is a word that we hear friends, and everyone's got, but it is so important in the body of Christ that we have friends. And everyone's not your friend, so forget that. So we've got to spend time with friends. We've got to invest in friends if we want to finish well. And then the last one I would say today, and I think all important because it's, it's a strong, strong belief of ours, of, of hell and mine, and that is the church. The church, attending the church, not forsaking the assembling. That's where we get other encouragements to spur us on and supporting the church, giving to the church, investing in the church. So the three things, spending time with God, spending time with friends and investing in friends, and spending time assembling as the body. As the body. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just pray, Lord, that you would challenge people deep today, Father, to truly go deeper with you, to seek you, Father depths of our heart, to have a desire, Father, to put you first in their lives and in their homes and in their families and in their relationships. Lord, if there's anyone in here today that is lonely, Father, that you would bring someone across their path that can be a true friend, that can encourage them, that can strengthen them. One will put a thousand to flight, two shall put ten thousand to flight. And you'll bring along a faithful friend to this brother, to this sister that might be struggling, might be isolated today. Help them to turn their eyes to you. Help them to value relationships, Lord, that you're bringing across their paths, Father. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, and your love towards us today. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Bless you,
Praise the Lord. I will say that Sam calls us quite often, calls Maggie more than me. Probably gets more sense out of her than he does out of me. But he always asks for everyone that we've known. You see, he's talking about friendship and love and what the Lord can do. There are many people in here this morning that are actually here that, you know, if I hadn't had them along the way, just to help, just to give a little lift. I'm not talking about giving you money and all that. I'm not talking about that side of it. I'm talking about giving you a pat on the back, giving you a word of encouragement along the way. Everybody needs encouragement. We all need that lift. And there's nothing like having a relationship with the Lord because somehow, somehow, he managed to reach us. He reaches us when we're in our lowest valley, when we're in deep despair, when we don't know which way to turn. You can always find a friend in, in Jesus. And with someone that loves him and seeks his face, oftentimes they've got the right word to say to us and encourage us along the way. So if you're having a trial this morning, having a difficulty, whatever it may be, I know that some are. I've said similar things to different ones that have had this depression just lately. Just can't, can't see their way clear. Just can't, just can't shake it off. And it's not an easy thing. And I've often said, well, well, get yourself a scripture. Get yourself a word that's going to bring you along and help you along, just like Sam spoke on the golf course with the dog that day. I'll tell you, it works. You speak to the Lord, speak his word. And the joy of the Lord is our strength this morning. So no matter what you're going through, what difficulty you're going through, speak to the Lord. Minister, ask him. Ask him to intervene for you. So as we stand together uh, as a family, as a church, I just want to pray for each and every one of you this morning that the Lord will undertake for you, that the Lord will make a way for you with a snow way, whatever it may be. Hallelujah. That you'll leave here not the same, but wonderfully changed in Jesus' name. That the Lord will hear your hearts cry. He's a faithful God. He's a loving Heavenly Father. How do I know? Because he's been faithful to me. How do I know? Because he's brought me through many a low valley. I remember one of the times when I was on the gurney going away to get heart surgery, not knowing what was ahead of me. And as I looked back at my family, there was just, Lord, what, what's, what now? But if you'd taken a picture of me in that gurney, a single shot picture, a snapshot, you wouldn't have got, given much hope for me. But you see, our lives are not snapshots. We are a movie. It's ongoing. Hallelujah. He wouldn't have given no hope for me now. But listen, I have hope. And I have hope in a man called Jesus who's brought me through. And if he can do it for me, he'll do it for you. He's faithful. Wonderful word today and encouraging word. And I just pray for each and every one of you this morning that the Lord will just undertake for you in a way that only he can. Father, we just... Anyone that has a need this morning, if you want to come forward, we'd love to pray with you and uh, encourage you. The prayer team, just come forward at this time. Would you guys just be ready? Hallelujah. We thank you for being here and being faithful. The worship team, we're going with half a team today. We really miss those ones that are not here. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're just so grateful for your presence in this place. We ask for you, Lord, just to undertake in every area of everyone's life that's here this morning as they seek and they cry on you and they ask you. And for Rowan, as he comes forward, Lord, whatever he is in need of and whatever he's seeking, he needs a job, he needs financial breakthrough, 